I don't know whether to take this crowd as a good sign or a bad sign. Everybody's going, he's gone, we can go back now. I don't remember why certain memories jog in your head, but for some reason I still remember <clears throat> to this day, I, I don't know why I answered that way, but I was in second or third grade and somebody came up to me and said, which is what I do with the kids when they come in on Wednesdays, one of the questions I ask is, what do you want to be when you grow up? They asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I don't know what I want to be, but I know two things I will never be. I will never be a janitor and I will never be a preacher. And I worked my way through seminary as a janitor to become a preacher. And then when I came here uh, 33 and a half years ago, they had a question answer time with the whole church. We're back in the old CLC and several questions, but two of them in particular come to mind. One of them was, how long will you be here? And I said, four to five years. And then they said, are you ever going to get your doctorate? I said, I will never go get my doctorate. So somehow my ability to look at the future uh, doesn't work well. I want to just share my heart a little bit today. I think they put my God story on the deal. But I just want to share a couple things about being here, what God prepped me for here. I really do believe I made this statement in there that uh, I think this is the calling God put on my life, really. And everything prior to this was to prep me for this. Saved my junior year, called to preach my senior year. As a matter of fact, I'm filling out Alabama fraternity letters to see which ones I wanted to go to. I'd been accepted and God called me to preach and they don't do a lot of Bible at Alabama, so... I went to Mississippi College, remember there's a kid in one of my classes that's graduate from MC, and so I went to Mississippi College instead of Alabama. Now God did three things in my life at Mississippi College. First thing he did was he drove this into my soul. I had uh, two Bible professors that didn't believe the scripture, and so they really wrecked the faith of a lot of us. As a matter of fact, I had a best friend, Terry Cotrier, who had to, after seminary, take a year off to reevaluate who he was in Christ. And I remember I was sitting in the library one day, and, and I'd come to a place where I knew this was not true. But I knew I'd been called to preach, and I knew I'd been saved. And so I, I told God in the library, I said, look, I, I know your word's not true. But I know you've called me to preach, and I'm going to honor you by doing that. Well, obviously, the turmoil in my soul was worse, and so I was driving out, and I glanced over it. In Mississippi, you don't have to have a front license plate, and license plate had the quote from First John, God is love, and I started laughing, just weirdly, and it's like the Holy Spirit pummeled me and said, if you don't believe it, the only thing left to do is laugh at it. So he solidified in my life that day a belief in the scripture. Second thing he did was he solidified in me, oddly enough, long before, I mean, I, I will teach text-driven preaching, but he solidified that in my life. My pastor had taught me, and virtually everybody in that day looked up a topic and went through scriptures and did that. And I remember I was preaching somewhere, as a matter of fact, I, was, uh, I had a week to prepare, and I was fixing to go through all these scriptures when 
I landed on Mark 6, Jesus walking on the water, and I had this unbelievable impression that I should stay in that text until I knew what it said. So I stayed in it, and to this amazing thing about Thursday, it hit me from the text why he walked on the water. So literally for 50 years, that's all I've ever done. The thrill for me that day was I couldn't wait to get to Sunday to explain how I discovered what I discovered from the text. I've never had a Sunday, I've never had a text anywhere in the scripture that when I studied it, I didn't discover something new and that's been the driving force in my life. And then the third thing he did, which obviously I don't, it's different today, he, uh, you know, I know you laugh at me, but uh, you can, my wife will verify this, I'm still scared in front of people. And so, <laughs> a buddy of mine and I are interim pastoring in Hazelhurst, Mississippi. He preaches one service, I do the music for that service. <laughs> it was rich. Hundreds of people were saved just when I sang. It was, uh, I remember I was doing whatever y'all do with this. And some guy after the service said, that song was 4-4 four, four time and you were doing 3-4 time. I looked at him and said, you used to be a bit glad I'm here on time. <laughs> so we would uh, alternate. And so the Sunday morning I'm, I'm supposed to preach. I'm up this next Sunday morning. It's Monday. I go into the <clears throat> showers, of course, in college, and see you have grand showers, and I'm in there, and I'm working on my sermon, hoping nobody comes in, <clears throat> and it's flowing. I mean, it's great. So I go back to my room, take out my pen, I start to write down. I can't even remember what scripture reference I was looking at. So Tuesday, get in the shower, boom, I mean, it's coming. So I go back to the dorm room, start writing. I, I can't remember anything. Wednesday, same thing. So Thursday, <clears throat> I said, God, we need to talk. I think, this is exactly what I said. I said, I think you're telling me to preach without notes. Now, you know, if you don't come through for me, Sunday morning is going to be the fastest sermon ever preached. <clears throat> so I get up Sunday morning, terrified, <clears throat> remembered every single word, have never used notes when I preach. I use them when I teach, but I've never used them when I preach since. So at MC, he drove me to believe in the Bible, preach the text, no notes. Went to seminary, <clears throat> he did two things for me in seminary. I had two years of Greek in college, three and a half in seminary. So he deepened my understanding of the language. And he taught me to think critically. Went to my first church. <clears throat> I think I shared with you that uh, <clears throat> preached at First Baptist Centerville. And two guys met me after the service. And one guy said, Reverend Osborne, I want you to come and preach at Memorial Baptist in Oakwood, Texas, Sunday. I said, glad to. Great. So Peg and I get up. We drive down to Oakwood. I'm sitting on the stage. Little 
tiny stage. He put the whole church in my office upstairs. And so uh, he mounts the stage and he goes, Reverend Osborne is here today in view of a call. And I'm trying to process this. I don't look at Peg because I know she's down there bursting. <clears throat> so I think maybe I've heard it wrong. So preach Sunday night and they vote on me and called me. I could have been a Buddhist. They had no idea. <clears throat> but to also show that God has a sense of humor, I'm, I told him I had to pray about it. I'm in my last semester of seminary. I've got, I think it was October, November. I've got, I'm graduating in December. So I'm in the last semester of seminary, and I'm, I'm praying. <laughs> I'm just telling you what God does with me. I don't, you, I, I'm just telling you. He, I sense the Holy Spirit say, anybody else talking to you? <laughs> no, sir. Okay. <clears throat> so I went to Oakwood. They didn't pay a lot of money. Uh matter of fact, Peg and I were driving back one night, and Highway Patrolman pulled us over near Fairfield. He's writing the ticket. He's got it all written. He said, you got a Fort Worth address. What are you doing down here? I said, well, I'm preaching in Oakwood. He said, at Memorial Baptist? I said, yes, sir. He said, ha, son, you need the money, and tore the ticket up. <laughs> so that was my first church. Great people. Went to my second church where we had two children, both born in Bryan, but from New Baden. And I'm, they come, and I, I, the, the night Stephen is born, that afternoon I'm playing softball, left field. One cleat hit the cement, one cleat hit the grass and kind of popped my back, but I, I felt okay. So they come and get me right before I do the Lord's Supper and say, Your wife said it's time to go. So, a couple is following us down, Henry and Karen Kaleffel, and we're driving down, and all of a sudden, I, and I'm in this little Volkswagen, I think we were in the Volkswagen at that time, I can't remember, and I, my back just goes out. I can't, it's clutch, I can't push anymore, so we have to pull over. Karen drives me, Henry drives Peggy. We get to the hospital, Peggy walks in, they wheel me in. <laughs> so... And I'm, I'm going back and forth to the ER getting muscle relaxant. So I'm walking just like this around the hallways trying to hold on to the walls. And the nuns are coming by. They think I'm drunk. Because <laughs> I look fairly disheveled and I'm telling my wife's in the labor and so off we go. So kids were born during that time. Tough church, hard church. Went to Midland, great church, sweet people. Then we came here. Great I mean, I'm just going to tell you, it's been a great 33 and a half years. There's been, uh, my kids were saved here, discipled here, married here. We buried my parents, Peg's mom. It's been a, uh, it's been a tremendous time. Made it further than I thought it would. <laughs> A lot of things, so many friends here. 
uh, started CAPS, Central Aggie Pastors, all the kids that have come through Central that are senior pastors, several of them here today, we, my uh, first 19th, 18th year is coming up here in a couple of months. Sweet time, the thing I'm most proud about those boys is literally 85% of them of the, that have come out of this church do text-driven preaching, book by book, verse by verse, straight up. Peg and I have been to two or three churches now recently, and we went to one church a few weeks ago, didn't even open our Bibles. There was no purpose. So you put out some great people. We put out thousands of Aggies in this church. They are everywhere. Aggies are like fire ants. <laughs> they are everywhere. But that old joke about them being boss is exactly right. Aggies are at the top of the food chain. They are, not in football, but everywhere else. <laughs> One last dig. Everywhere else, they're at the top of the food chain. I've been here long enough. I've married children of people I married. I've loved dealing with the kids. It's been... Uh, I love, I saw a young guy, I took a picture with him a minute ago, he was in my office, I always ask him a retinue of questions, and one of them is, have you sinned? And he's seven, and he looked at me and said, a lot. <laughs> so apparently, who knows where he's going, but, uh, so it's been a fun ministry, which is why today's hard but good. It's hard because I shared on the video a lady caught me a couple of months ago outside the doors and said, uh, I know your heart's up there. My heart will always be here. Except for being called and uh, saved and married, really everything major after the preparation was here. My heart's here. Our funerals we've already set up will be here. My kids and I had a long discussion last night about coming back. They want me to come back. I said, I don't think we're going to do that. We'll retire there. Unless some physical ailment hits us, but that's, uh, and so it's good, it's good for you. It allows the next guy to come in, I'm not here, he gets to establish his own ministry, do his own thing, it's good for the church that I'm gone. It's good for me, I, uh, I get to leave before I wreck what I think God may have done through me. I've seen so many pastors stay beyond their time and it's horrible and I hope this is true but somebody told me the other day while well, you're leaving while the party's still good. <laughs> so it's hard for me but good. I, I've taught two weeks of classes. I taught a week of D-Men seminar and then I taught my first week they added a class to me without any prep time. I thought academic life would be cush what an idiot. 
I finished my week-long demon seminar. I got three kids who want me to manage their dissertation. I'd read another dissertation. A kid wants us to critique his preaching. He will regret that. <laughs> and so uh, I've already started uh, joining the students, walking them through, pre- uh, through pastoral ministry, both classes there and there. Faculty's been gracious. I... Uh, I love where the seminary is going. Dr. Stinson, Dr. Greenway are taking it the right place. Over the last 15 years, we couldn't get two kids at Southwestern. Now we have 10 or 11. So I love to be a part of a renewal. And so I'm excited about being at Southwestern. I think your future here is tremendous you have two things actually two things this church is I think immensely healthy you have a great staff I'm telling you this staff is solid they honor each other they love Jesus they love you they love their ministries they honor their call their integrity their skill set and their work effort is beyond compare they are outstanding you have outstanding deacon body I kid them all the time but there's some outstanding men you don't get any better than these guys so I think the church's future with the leadership it has in place Chuck will be taking a my place in leading staff and church. But I'm just telling this place is, uh, it's great. So when the next guy comes in, I want you to do three things for him. To give him some time. I want you to love him the way you love me. Pray for me. Can't know what that does. And I want you to remember five things, okay? That you're about in this church. Scripture is true, and you're locking down on this. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. Holy Spirit wrote it through men. It's your direction. Number two, that it teaches us in Genesis 1 that God's sovereign. I firmly believe that in his sovereignty, he gave us a limited free will so we can say yes or no to him. Quarterback for the Green Bay Packers this week has come out saying he doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in Jesus. How could a wonderful, loving God condemn people to hell? Well, the fact is he doesn't condemn people to hell. You put yourself there when you miss Jesus Christ. So you're going to stay on the sovereignty of God. He's on his throne. I don't care who gets elected, who doesn't get elected. I don't care what happens, what doesn't happen. He's sovereign. You're going to lock into the blood. There is nothing else redemptive in this universe except the blood of Jesus Christ. The only entity 
that can't be destroyed by Satan is the church. So you're going to lock into the church. When the new man comes, you're going to absolutely be involved in ministry. And he's returning. Can't stop that. So we may not see each other again. <clears throat> but this passage of scripture is mine to you. I can read it now. <laughs> you want to read it? I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy and every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the very first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Love you. Bye.